Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. You must listen to the open loops, a theme park for absurd beliefs and systems of integration between the mind and the creative spirit. Open loops. Where do you live? The third dimension? Fourth? Fifth? Six? Seven? Eight? Nine? And as you keep counting, I'm speaking to you, your unconscious mind is now tuned in to its favorite late night talk show for the shamelessly fringe. It's Open Loops with Greg Bornstein, conversations that bend. What is up? What is up? Oh, this is already going to be an interesting one. Greg Bornstein here, consciousness disruptor, cultural hypnotist, chief looper, weirdo, and of course, your curator of the auditory experience. Welcome to Open Loops. What is this show? I used to call it a theme park for the intellect and the imagination. It really is. We are in the business of challenging your existing belief systems by sharing radically unique ideas designed to stimulate your unconscious mind and allow you to step into the highest version of yourself. Because what is an open loop exactly? I'll get to that in a minute. This is the show where, if it's normal, we're probably not talking about it. The mystical, the magical, the hypnotic, the paranormal, the supernatural, the conspiratorial. And of course, the deepest questions of them all. Who and what we really are. Yeah. We are going deep on this show. Because it's 2022. And it's just going to get weirder. Everybody thought 2021 was going to be it. Did 2021 really make things get normal? Or did it just take something that was already distorted and bend it and break it even further? So, consider this show your your juicing, your steroid juicing of the weird. Society's normal, and guess what? I'm going to... uh I'm going to be that Olympic scandal in five years for the next swimmer that gets busted for taking roids. Let this show be that for your fantasies. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the weirdness. Hey, lots of interesting stuff since that whole Michael Horn, Billy Myers series. I want to get someone from the other side on there. That Look, I, I'm fascinated by Billy Meyer. 
his people have been more than nice. There is controversy about it, and hey, look, the truth of what Billy's saying can only be strengthened by the people that are skeptical, debunking. We'll get into that another time, but uh, Billy's stuff is interesting. Michael Horn's very interesting. I'm just, I'm wary. Michael said he's open to a debate, so happy to happy to make that happen. That said, though, let's get into this week's episode with M.G. Stevens. Now, M.G. Stevens, uh, along with Flying Disc Press, put out a book called The Boogeyman Chronicles. We're going to hear lots of stories about demons, ghosts, monsters, aliens, essentially growing up as a spirit medium with a famous psychic mom and experiencing neurodivergence and being an indigenous person. I mean, there's there's a lot that uh, sets you up for not having a normal existence anyways. And then if you're an experiencer on top of having those demographics, well, guess what? You're going to have a bunch of chronicles. MG decided to jot them down, and she came on this show to share her firsthand accounts of all things spiritually wonky. I enjoyed meeting MG. I'm proud that she's she's overcoming her shyness. She's She's very cool, very down to earth. I think you're going to like hearing her experiences. Now, of course, the other thing I want to point out is that if there is a certain type of guest you want to see, if there is a kind of topic you want me to cover, if you have opinions, make sure you follow the Open Loose Podcast Facebook page as well as the YouTube page because sometimes we stream live on those channels and I'm looking at all the feedback as well as if you DM me, follow me at the Greg Bornstein on Instagram. I want to hear your thoughts. And of course, now that Spotify is out there doing reviews for shows, Apple's still doing reviews. If you enjoy Open Loops Podcast, please make sure to follow it, subscribe, and rate the show, and leave a couple of words. It really helps me out, and it helps get this alternative, as they call it, content out there. Final thing I'll say is this. If you want to delve into the world of hypnosis with me, I am hypnotizing people again to help them. You, you, you got to get rid of insomnia. You got to quit smoking. You want to be more confident in the boardroom, whatever it is. I'm here to help. Book a free discovery session with me. All of that is in the show notes. So I, I'm loving hypnotizing people. It is a fun thing to do. And I'm so excited to uh, help you make quick change in your life. All right. That was a lot. M.G. Stevens is coming up. She's a charmer. She's a real real charmer. And when you're talking about demonic forces, that's a skill set. Here she is, M.G. Stevens. Today on Open Loops, we have M.G. Stevens, the author of the newly released book, The Boogeyman Chronicles. And uh, M.G. Stevens is a neurodivergent medium empath 
who is she's from the south um and it took her a long time to really want to come forward and document these stories but uh there's a lot of paranormal running in her family i mean just a lot of interesting experiences this book covers ghosts ufos uh her mom's astral travels because her mom was a psychic too uh there's a whole lot of weirdness going on and we're going to delve into all of it mg thanks so much for coming on the show thanks for having me i really appreciate it absolutely absolutely what do you do you uh i i know that even on the book the back cover of your book you're talking about how you know you're don't fault you for the grammar of the book you're just a simple southern girl telling your tale um what is going on for you in terms of that right now are you uh, as you're as you're on this tour and you've now put out some podcasts and you're becoming mm -hmm. more public uh are you feeling more confidence about this i mean how is it going for you no <laughs> really um <laughs> i'm super private um and I'm just, you know, I'm just a quiet little Southern girl that just kind of stays to herself. And so for me to get my face out there and my story out there, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to be like, hey, yeah, you know, that paranormal stuff that everyone laughs at. Here I am. Here's all my stories, you know. And it's like, oh, God, what did I do? Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, like, right, even writing the book, I was like, what am I doing? Should I be should I be doing this? Should I just not do this? What, what should I do? And one thing I, I will I will say this, like when, you know, people in the South, sometimes we don't always use proper grammar and that's just how we talk. And so, right. you know, Calvin Parker is kind of one of my heroes because he, he, he doesn't care, you know, he's just kind of like, Hey, look, this is how I talk. And so when I wrote this book, I was going to do it Calvin Parker style. Cause it was like, he talked to Philip Mantle, who was my publisher. And he, he talked to him and said, look, I'll, I'll do my story, but I'm going to do it in my own words. I don't want no one to edit it. I'm going to write the whole thing out just as it happened. And I, you know, I may not use all the proper grammar and whatnot, but this is just how it is. It's how I talk. And that's kind of how I went about this. I knew I wasn't going to, you know, um, be, always be how you, you know, use proper grammar, but you know, that's just how I talk. So um, it was edited a tiny bit and I get that. It was like, okay, fine. You know, if you want to make it more like legible, that's cool. Um, uh, uh, right, right. <laughs> you know, but, um, but yeah, like it's, it's still a, a bit of a struggle. And now that the book is officially released and I'm officially able to talk about it, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm honest with right now, I'm, I'm getting super like nervous about stuff. Cause it's just like, I'm, I'm really putting myself out there, you know? Are you if you do the audio book, you should do it again, but just completely go even more into the dialect. Yes, exactly. You know, sometimes I, I notice like with when I'm on a podcast or something like that, I kind of reel back my accent a bit and just kind of try to talk a little bit more. No, yeah, we want the uncensored edition. <laughs> I, I want the cornbread edition of this book. Cornbread and <laughs> cornbread beans are right. And yeah. um <laughs> and um yeah, so I mean, um I, I'm just, I, I, someone else actually did the, um, the, the narration, but I, I told Philip, I was like, I can do it. Cause I, I do voiceovers actually. So, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You're in, you're in Los Angeles, right? Are yeah. you, are you in the, uh, are, are you in the performing arts like myself? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, we're always into something out here, but, um, yes. um uh, yeah, I do voiceovers and I, um, I have all kinds of stuff going, you know, writing, I'm writing a screenplay at the moment and trying to do th three other books. And yeah, so I'm busy. 
is is uh mg so is mg stevens this this uh i i imagine it's an alias like if i were to uh, maybe i'm wrong am i wrong no no it's it's really yeah it's really my name my name is marie granger stevens but but when you're writing i'm doing the jk rowling sort of you know thing where it's just like yeah just shorten it it sounds better i think oh right (laughs) i was gonna say i don't know if i could find you on imdb and that's a whole different life than this oh i don't know i don't know if i'm even on there i don't i haven't even bothered with that um but i am on instagram and you know, I'm, I'm going to try to get, I'm trying to get my website together. I'm trying to get all my stuff, you know, pictures and this and that. And all is that, is that ideally what you want to be uh, coming to the world as? I mean, are you, are you set in, not set, but are you okay being, hey, I'm MG Stevens. Here's what happened to me. And now here's my new show on Gaia. I mean, is that, is that something you're okay with? Yeah, that's totally fine. I don't know what I could con- contribute to Gaia though, because they're, they're a little different, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, I'm, I'm just MGC, but I guess I could make my name fancier and kind of, no, I kind of like it. It kind of sounds I, mi- mysterious. Mysterious. Yeah. That's what everyone tells me. I was, it sounds so mysterious. I don't know if you were a guy or a girl or what, you know, what was going on there. And I said, yeah, MG is just, you know, a lot of people when, when, um, you know, a few years back, people start calling me MG and, and you know, it just kind of stuck. So, uh, I'm just, I, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of think, well, should I change it at this point? You know, cause should I make it more pretty or, or interesting, but I don't know. I've always been MG Steven. So it's just, here I am. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, okay. So very interesting. So you're out there. I promise I will not, uh, make, make you feel like you're, you're completely spilling your entire soul out here. Um, though feel free to, if you want. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what this book was about was just getting it all, like just dumping. And it was actually really cathartic and therapeutic. I'm just getting it all out. You know what I mean? So I'm here, yeah. I'm, I'm here. I put myself out there. So, you know, I, I, and, and I just kind of went, you know, you kind of hit that point where when you're doing something like this, like a memoir, my friend called it a paranormal memoir. But when you're, when you're doing something like this, you have that moment where, you know, like I said, writing the book, it was like, okay, I can either stop at this point or I can keep going. And so now I'm going, now I'm, I'm marching forward and there ain't no stopping. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, yes, and bring us all with you. Uh, yeah, no, th- this is very interesting. Uh, so, and MG, I mean, one of the things I wanted to discuss early on, because I'm always interested in this, is uh, the origins of the spiritual in people's lives. And I know part of your story is that your mom was a well-known psychic. Yeah, I mean, well-known, not maybe world-known. She wasn't on TV shows like, you know, some, like, you know, I don't know who, but. Um, right, right. Like, yeah, but she, she like, Teresa, was her name, Caputo or something? Um, she, she, she didn't have her own show. Um, <clears throat> if she kept going with it, she would have. But my mother was always spiritually very sensitive because she was neurodivergent as well. And I think it's just in our wiring um, a lot of us. So she, yeah, mm-hmm. let's yeah, go into that's... that, by the way, wait, wait for ne- people that don't understand. <laughs> I mean, neurodivergence is, um, it's becoming a lot more popular to say. Um, but I think there is definitely confusion around the word. I mean, how would you define it? Well, neurodivergent people are autistic, have ADHD, um, epilepsy, dyspraxia, um, 
I mean, you just Google it. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's, it's people that aren't neurotypical. We're neurodivergent. So I, um, and my mother were, um, had, were, we were autistic and had ADHD. I didn't discover this until much later in life, but, um, there is a correlation between neurodivergence and extrasensory perception and paranormal encounters. And I was talking to Kathleen Martin. Um, we all know Kathleen is, you know, um, right. she's in the niece of Betty and Barney Hill. Right. And she, I, and I was very curious cause I said, okay, in all her, cause she, you know, she's a fabulous researcher and she worked with MUFON for a long time. So I, I asked her, I said, in all your studies, what is the correlation? What, what, what is the percentage of people who are neurodivergent that happen to be experiencers of, um, you know, a UFO encounter of some kind, you know? And she said, it's around 80 plus percent, like 86% or something. And I just, my, my jaw fell on the floor and I was just like, wow, that's a huge number. That's a very high number. So, um, I just think it's very interesting. And then one of my, one of my books is, is it going to be exploring that uh, particular topic? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that you call yourself a neurodivergent medium empath. That is something you want out there as part of your identity. It's not something you, um, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of mediums. Like you said, a lot of people are, the high percentage are, but they're not going to lead with saying that necessarily. Well, you know, when you're late diagnosed autistic and ADHD and, you know, neurodivergent, you, you then get to the point where it's like, wow, so this was what was going on with me the whole time. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, I had, I was neurodivergent. I wasn't lazy or stupid or dumb or this or that or blah, blah, blah. All these different labels that neurotypicals will put on you because you don't fit in. And so once you get, once you're late diagnosed, you, you tend to, most, most people tend to wear that flag very proudly and say, cause it's, it's, it's the, it's that vindication, you know, it's that, it's that, you know, thing that says, look, this is what I was going through all this time. And, you know, you, you tend to live your life backwards when you're diagnosed late, because you start to really, you know, you start to relive all of those moments that, you know, were, were warning signs, if you were. Um, so I tend to wear that, you know, flag very, very proudly. I'm very proudly neurodivergent. I'm very, um, you know, consider myself blessed to be neurodivergent. You know, we can't always be neurotypical. So we're neurodivergent and there's, t- you know, there's room for all of us in this world. And unfortunately, many neurodivergent, if all, if not all neurodivergent people have struggled to live in a neurotypical world. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, if, if I can, you know, advocate <laughs> for uh, yeah. neurodivergent people, especially neurodivergents that have this very strong ESP trait in them, um, then I'll do so. That is interesting. I do wonder about, uh, I, I don't know how many studies have been done on this, but, um, and also really MRIs and whatnot are just so scratching the surface of what we know is actually going on inside people's head. It's so bare minimum. But I am curious if you were to take a guess, MG, as to what exactly is going on in the mind of a neurodivergent that um, neurologically, perhaps, maybe, I don't know, I mean, this is outside the realm of science, but but I'm wondering if there's anything there, um, cognitively, neurologically, uh, allows someone to have access 
to the domains of the paranormal and the spiritual esoteric. What would you think that is? What do you think? I think it's electrical, honestly. I don't think ESP really has much to do with spirituality at all. And I mentioned this in my book because my mother who, you know, she went from being a very powerful, I mean, terrifyingly accurate psychic to, um, you know, feeling kind of, I guess, burnt out in some ways. And so one of her friends talked her into going to church. She then started having a Bible study. She then became a fundamentalist Christian. But my mother through all of that was still very highly sensitive and still had that ESP. And so it really hit me when I was in my teens and I was, you know, that kind of loud mouth where I was trying to be like mom, because, you know, she had a lot of um, jealous, nasty people within the church trying to make her feel bad because she was so highly sensitive that she was kind of blowing everybody out of the water as far as being able to say minister to someone or what what they call in the church prophesize over them. And so my mom was always a head and shoulders, like or two head and shoulders above everyone else because she was so highly sensitive. And they used to make her because they're jealous and they're and, you know intimidated. They used to make her feel really bad. They were like, oh, you used to talk to the devil and stuff like that. And I kind of started to do, to do my own research even at that time and started to say, mom, this thing that you and I have, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not the devil. It's not God. We're not talking to the devil anymore than we're talking to God. Right. You know, it's not a spiritual thing. This is a thing that no matter what religion we, we could be, Jew, you know, Jewish, we could be Buddhist, we could be whatever. This thing doesn't wane. It's in us. And I think yeah. it's part of our wiring. And I couldn't, you know, because I didn't know we were neurodivergent at the time, but I knew that my mom and I were very um, similar. We had all the same sort of, you know, abilities, if you will. So, you know, I, I just, I, I, I tried to get it through to her and it really broke my heart because my mom was so sensitive and sweet <clears throat> and she let these, um, horrible people beat her up and it was just terrible. And I kept telling her, but mom, mom, it's not, it's not a Christian thing. And it's not a devil thing. It's not anything, but it, it, it almost seems electrical for us. It almost seems like it's in us. Like we just have a natural born sort of antenna and interesting yeah and and like because no matter what happened i don't care if my mom was psychic or or christian this woman could read your mail and she was terrifying she would walk up to people she was terrifying in the most wonderful of ways because she would walk up to people in the grocery store and just and she would tell me she would tell me first she was like see that lady over there in that flowered shirt and i said yeah she goes i think i have to tell her something and she's like i'm scared and i go don't be scared go tell her go She's like, okay. So she'd go over there and she'd start, you know, do you have a son in college and blah, 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 blah. And she would start telling, and she would minister, if you want to call it that or whatever, to people wherever she went and she couldn't turn it off. And, and sometimes I can't turn it off, you know? So I told her, I said, it's not, it's not a spiritual thing. You don't, you don't have to pray to your spirit guide. You don't have to pray to God or the devil. Even you don't have to pray. It's just, it was just in us. And so from what I've read, I've read, I've read a story. Don't quote me on it. You can probably find it if you look hard enough, but I think there was a study where they actually did an MRI or CAT scan of some kind on neurodivergent people. Apparently there's a certain part of our brain that is always active. It's always lit up like Vegas. And when certain psychics are going into like a medium mediumship type trance that part of their brain is lit up so there was a similarity there again i don't think we we have enough studies and i hope my book 
and discussing these sort of sorts of things will hopefully further the conversation on this. I really want to further the dialogue because I think there's a thing. I want to I want to get rid of the snickering when someone says, oh, I went to a psychic and people go, oh, they're all scam artists. And it's like, well, a lot of them are. And my mom used to call them out a lot of times, which didn't make her popular. That's but, interesting. Um, How did she, was she able, is that something that because she has the ability, she knows when people aren't real? I mean, how do you discern yeah. from one psychic to another? She, she would watch like TV psychics. She would watch them and she would look at them and she goes, okay, you see that what she's doing right there, that leading thing, that's not good. You don't do that. And she would just wow. look at me and she goes, she, she's not a good psychic because, you know, she said, she, she told me, she says, when you're a psychic, you just know, you just know that that person is say going through a divorce or is sick or is moving or blah, 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 whatever it is. You just know, you don't have to sit there and ask them a bunch of leading type questions to get them to, uh, to kind of confirm, you know what I mean? So she, she would see a lot of psychics doing that, like they, where they would just be like, Oh, do you uh, blah, 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 you know, and then they would say, yes. Okay. Well, what about this? What about the, you know, and she would, she would, you know, kind of not, I guess nitpick in a way, but she would kind yeah. of like call them out and be like, yeah, you're not supposed to do that. Like any, any psychic worth your salt would know. You just know. So uh, yeah, I mean, my mom was, you know, kind of brutal in that way, but, um, but yeah, it's very I mean, interesting. You know, the other thing, MG, I want to briefly add on to that is uh, it kind of and I know you're not quite saying that. So don't make me put words in your mouth, but uh, you can say, great, I'm not saying this at all. But uh, there are a lot of people out there. I don't know if they're neurodivergent or not, but I've even interviewed them on the show that tell you they can teach you how to access this gift inside of you, that psychic arts. It's something we all have. Some of us just have a head start over others. And really what you're saying to me in some ways is that, well, if you're neurodivergent, they might be even stronger. And maybe uh, some people just have it and some don't. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm curious. What, what is your take on that in terms of the ability to develop skills like this from person to person? Well, I tell everybody that they, neurodivergent or not, that they are psychic and, you know, lack of a better word, um, that they are sensitive. I believe that we have some sort of primitive uh, evolutionary sort of thing that alerts us to danger. And so I've talked to several people who swear up and down they're not psychic. They, 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 they laugh at psychics, blah, 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 whatever. And I sit right. there and say, yeah, but have you ever gotten around someone that gave you the creeps? Have you ever walked into a, a room or um, a part of town or, a de you know, you walked into a certain, you know, place, person thing, whatever. And you got the, you got that weird, creepy feeling, tingly feeling on the back of your neck. And yeah. they're like, yeah. And I say, okay, have you ever walked into a room where there was a couple of people and they were fighting or they're not getting along and you, you didn't know it, but you felt something weird between them. Like the tension was so thick you could cut it with a knife. Okay. If you felt that that is your natural psychic ability that I think everyone is born with. And I think it's just a primitive thing that we've had left over from, you know, all these uh, you know, sort of evolutionary process where we had to be very hyper aware. And right. so I, I truly believe that everybody has an ability and I believe that you can, um, you know, 
uh, study. I've seen people study and, and meditate and whatever, and really get in touch with that side and learn how to harness it. And that's great. That's fine. I love that. Um, but I, I have noticed that with neurodivergent people, we tend to just are naturally born psychic. And it's not like we have to go to like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. We, we, we immediately go from kindergarten to like 12th grade, you know, to college right. in right. that sense. We, we tend to, you know, the, the, and, and I'm not saying every psychic is neurodivergent, every neurodivergent is psychic. Cause I've talked to some neurodivergent people that say, I have never once had any sort of ESP, account, you know, accounts or anything. Right. And so um, I would like to, you know, delve into those stories more because I'm, you know, you always tell people or people always tell you, hey, look, you know, I, I don't really have any ESP moments in my life and I've never had any blah, blah, blah. But then when you start talking to them, they then go, oh, yeah, there was that one time. You know what I mean? So yes. a lot of people, their idea of psychic phenomena or their idea of the paranormal or their, their idea of the ESP moment, you know, or experiences really vary. So I don't think they quite understand. So I have to sometimes pull it out of people, but um, I think everyone is psychic. They just, they're either open to it or they're not, or they pay attention or they don't. It, it's just, you know, Hey, well, that's good for us to know out there. There is hope. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, that's good. That's good. I mean, uh, and but that said, maybe, maybe there, maybe we should be questioning uh, how much we want to experience because I mean, your YouTube podcast, uh, the Boogeyman Chronicles, which I know is is tangentially related to the stuff in this book, which we're going to get to, uh, focuses a lot on PTSD the paranormal PTSD. So, I mean, you know, I, I would say that, and, and I've heard this from other people. I've, um, uh, demonologists, uh, people that encounter the spirits. It's not just rainbows. <laughs> it's not just like, uh, the ghostbuster, the, 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 the sexiness of ghostbusters. Yeah. I mean, there's some real serious stuff that, uh, can happen as a result of this, which, We'll get into in a little bit. Um, do, do you do you have any cautionary things you want to say before we kind of delve deeper into your exact story? Um, you know, as far as people wanting to experience the paranormal, um, always be careful because it's like, you know, it's kind of, it, it can turn into a bad neighborhood really quickly. <laughs> you right. know, you go, I've never been to this part of town and I would like to go to see what it's about. And then, you know, you turn down that one street and it looks very creepy very quickly. And all of a sudden you've got people surrounding your car and they're screaming at you. And it's just like, oh my God, I think I made a wrong turn somewhere. Um, think right. of it that way. <laughs> think of it that way. You know, it's okay to delve into the paranormal if you are so inclined, but always, um, always be careful. Never go into it because you got to realize th this, this world is way bigger than you. And yes. you, you, you know what I mean? This, this bad neighborhood, potentially bad neighborhood is, is bigger than you. And you just turn down the street and you have no idea how to get out of this neighborhood now. And so, um, yeah, I always caution people just to be careful, you know, keep your doors locked and, you know, <laughs> learn, yeah. you know, have your GPS on and, you know, just be careful when it comes to the paranormal because they can turn ugly really quickly, you know. For sure, for sure. Um, and, okay, uh, let's hear your life story now. Uh, I think that's why we're transitioned. Um, no, but, but, uh, but I am wondering, I mean, in terms of this journey that you've had in your life let's start young 
did you know about your mom's abilities before you had your first experience or did you have an experience first? What was what was the first time the weird entered your life? Well, I mean, I had I had experiences as early as a, a baby. I mean, I, I can't even remember how old I was. That's how young I was. Um, weird. Yeah. I mean, I remember one night it was dark. I had a light on in my room. So the, the room was somewhat lit up. Um, the, I remember it was a closet light. And I remember um, being old enough to stand up in my crib. So however old that is, I don't have kids, so I don't know. Um, people would know. But I, I was standing up in my crib and I was very aware. And I, I just happened to look up and I saw something. I don't know what I saw, but I saw something. And I was pointing up at that thing where at the same time, I was the thing floating because I could see myself down in my crib. And that, yeah, that was a weird out of body thing. And I wasn't dead. I didn't die. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't astral projecting, you know, anything like that. It was just this weird thing that split. And um, that happened again, maybe like a year, year and a half or so later. Um, I was, it was Easter I was wearing my little Easter dress and I was on my little purple tricycle and I was, uh, my mom and my sibling were, um, <clears throat> they were trying to get me to, to Easter egg hunt. And I guess I needed a nap. I was super cranky. Anyway, I was, um, freaking out because I, I happened to look up and I, again, saw me from above, but then I was looking at something and was pointing at something and was absolutely panicking. Um, so what the heck with that was, I, I don't know, but that was my first real, that's like the first paranormal encounter that I can actually remember. And I was a baby. So these I've were always... out of body experiences yeah. happening when you're an infant. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Wow. Now that's pretty, I mean, it's kind of amazing yeah. to remember that. <laughs> Why do you, you remember that consciously? Um, or did you... Was that something you remember later? I mean, did you, did you clock that as you were growing up? Even at, you know, if you were to ask you at three years old, could you point back to experiences or did you remember that later in life? No, I remembered it as a fearful thing. You know what I mean? You're like, you have that, you have weird dreams, uh, you know, every night or every other night or so. But then all of a sudden you have that one weird nightmare that just kind of stays with you. Yeah. And it was kind of like that for me, you know, and occasionally you'll, you'll, your mind will go back to that. Like, what was that? What was that all about? That was a horrible nightmare. Um, my brain all through, you know, my childhood, I would go back to that, those moments and be like, what the hell was that? And it was scared me so bad. I didn't want to think about it. Um, but um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that was always the thing that was, it was always there. I just didn't want to think about it. And um, I always had a freakishly good memory and I, heard that that's a neurodivergent thing so I don't know but um but yeah that was that was something that I I you know talked to Paul Eno who is a demonologist and the guy's been in the paranormal world for 50 plus years and I, I talked to him um on my podcast and I was just like what it was this encounter because you know he's seen everything yeah and he said I don't even know I couldn't even tell you he said maybe in the multiverse, you know, you had a shifting identity point and that's when the two of you, you know, you, you somehow split and you saw yourself as a baby, but then you saw yourself up floating and, you know, I don't know. So he didn't even really know. He just kind of gave me a sort of like, I think this might be what's going on. So yeah. Wow. Okay. So you have out of body experiences <laughs> as a baby and then, uh, 
my gosh, I, I can't even imagine what being a toddler is like and, and starting to experience weird things. Um, what other kind of things did you have in that early stages of your life? Um, I was tormented wherever I went. I was always really, really, really painfully, terrifyingly sensitive um, and didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, as a kid, you're like, what the frick, you know, and you're just, <laughs> you're just like terrified of everything because you're walking into rooms, buildings, uh, on, onto land and you're seeing and feeling things very, very, very early on, you know, you're, you're feeling, you know, I remember I lived in the South and my, my, um, my sibling, um, would, would, you know, <laughs> would take the car when they weren't supposed to. And, and, you know, mom was pissed off and, um, my sibling would take me out and we would visit all their friends and we would end up in some sort of swampy area. Um, and I, I could feel <clears throat> whatever was on that land. Uh, there was, a, you know, people that had died on that land. I could, I could feel them. I could see them. Um, you know, and, and it was just, it was just terrifying constantly feeling. Cause I was you know, here. I was a little kid, didn't know what was going on and I'm being yeah. shuffled around all these people. But then at the same time, I'm also having these other experiences that I can't even put a finger on. And, um, so that, yeah, that was pretty terrifying. Holy moly. Now, did you run any of this stuff by your mom at that point? <clears throat> and that's a weird thing. I did not understand that my mom's world of, you know, psychic readings and blah, 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 was uh, connected to my weird little paranormal encounters. Um, I had no clue. I had no clue. And I, I, I just, I, I, I don't know why I was so clueless, but I just was, I look back now going, was I stupid? What was wrong with me? Um, that I didn't go, Hey mom, I'm going through some stuff. Um, right. Right. I, I, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know because these things would come at me, you know, I would be shoved or, or rushed at, or, you know, tormented at night when I was sleeping. And I, you know, I, I didn't know what to think. And I, I would call them monsters. Cause that's the only way my brain could really process any of this. These things are monsters. I can't see them, but I know they're there. And, um, it wasn't until I was about six years old that I kind of realized that mom could do weird stuff. And cause you know, I was uh, very early on, my mom started doing psychic readings and she did them in the living room. And I was always banished to the back bedroom and I would just, you know, sit, sit down and by the door and I would crack the door and I would listen and she'd have someone come over and, you know, being the typical Southern bomb, she'd make, you know, coconut custard pie and she'd you know have something but she'd always you know but as just as a southerner you always gotta have food for people when they come over so she'd always make something and she'd always you know feed them and then she'd be like okay and she would sit down in the living room and they would sit there and start talking and um soon enough mom would be like yeah you're this is happening and that's happening and blah 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 and the person would be like oh my god how did you know that <laughs> like wow. nobody knows that and so I was like, what the heck is going on out there? You know, I was just a little kid. I didn't know nothing. And I was just like, what is going on? And meanwhile, I'm in my own little world, having my own terrifying experiences, not realizing that these two worlds are definitely connected. Um, yeah. So I didn't realize that until I was, you know, probably in my teens or I was about 12 years old, I think. But um, but yeah, I mean, mom, mom was super powerful and she was actually asked to be on radio, she was asked to write books. She was asked to do all, kind, all kinds of stuff. She was actually working with some cold cases um, with an attorney and a private detective. Um, wow, did she solve cases? Did she help? Yeah, yeah, she was, there was a, a certain case 
down in Florida that um, had to do with them. Some kind of millionaire, um, what she, this is what she told me, but um, some kind of millionaire, they went missing. And then the, you know, the, the wife or whatever, then the person was found in a cooler. I mean, you know, gruesome stuff, but um, the, the, uh, the detective and the attorney always told her that they loved working with her because she could see past, present and future. She wow. could, yeah, she could always like help, help them see like the whole picture. And so, yeah, she, she worked quite a bit with missing persons cases and whatnot and helped a lot of people. So, you know, my mom loved doing that. She just loved being helpful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She didn't, she never, I mean, did she ever have a period where she did readings for people or like charge them to do tarot card stuff, anything like that? Well, she never did tarot cards. My mom was, um, she was always like, she never had to do tarot cards. I wasn't. She could just speak thing. it. She could yeah. just do it. She, I mean, she, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a scary story, but yeah, what my mom used to do, if she did anything, she did psychometry, which is where you hold a personal object of someone, yes. or you look at their picture. I work that way too. I work, um, I can always look at a picture and kind of, as long as I can see that person's eyes, I can read them. So I do readings myself. Um, and, and of course, holding someone's, um, you know, jewelry or keys or what have you, uh, is always helpful. But, um, but when I was about six years old, um, my father was in law enforcement and every kid that has a family member, especially a parent in law enforcement, um, at some point you realize this person could die. You realize this is a terrifying job. This is a dangerous job. And this person could yes. die. They might not come home tonight. And so that's kind of what happened to me. I woke up, I don't know what happened. I just, I woke up one day as a six-year-old and I was like, oh my God, my dad could die. And I started having this really terrifying nightmares every single night for two weeks. I'm not even kidding you, the same exact nightmare. And the nightmare was of me looking at a picture of my dad's tombstone with really, for some reason, it was like really green grass around this tombstone but it was me looking at this picture of it and I didn't tell nobody I was scared <laughs> and I thought people were going to think I was stupid. So I didn't say anything. I remember not telling anybody at school. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell my dad. I didn't tell nobody. I just was like, I am not going to say a thing. And I remember my mom one night across, like after two weeks of having this nightmare every single night, waking up in a cold sweat. Um, I got to the point where I didn't even want to go to sleep. And so one night at dinner time, my mom is looking at me kind of funny from across the table. And I was like, oh, geez, did I get, in, what did I do? Did I get into trouble? And she just said to me point blank, she said, you've been having dreams of your dad dying. And she says, and the dream and she described the dream perfectly. She said, the dream is of you looking at the, looking at a picture of your dad's tombstone. His name is on it. And there's really green grass around it. What? And uh, yeah, as a six-year-old, my jaw fell on the floor <laughs> and I just sat there. I went, oh, this is what mom can do. This is what she does. You know, this is why the people wow. were freaking out going, how did you know that? How did you know that? Because that, that's exactly what came out of my mouth. I was like, how did you know that? And yeah. that's, that's, that was my first encounter with mom realizing how powerful she was. <laughs> that's interesting. Cause I, I mean, maybe, maybe, the, maybe this is proof. I, I was going to ask a question about that next. Um, <laughs> and you already 
answered it. Um, but I did wonder, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, having a mom like that. Uh, and again, I promise we'll get back to your stories, though. This is definitely a big part of your, your experiences. Um, I guess it is. Yeah, you're literally encountering the paranormal in, in, in your relatives. Um, does that, do you ever use that for your advantage? Do you ever go, hey, mom, if I go to this school, what do you see versus if I go to this college or should I, what, what do you think I should pursue for a career? What about this boy or girl or whoever you're romantically, you know, do you ever run any scenarios by uh, mom to see if she can give you insight and, and point you in the right direction for your future? All the time. Yeah. And, but strangely for the longest time, I didn't, I didn't really know then I could go and talk to her about these kinds of things. So I didn't get, you know, people thought, oh man, what a cool thing. You know, I bet you got readings all the time. And it was like, actually I didn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah. just kind of wanted, I wanted to be left alone. I just kind of wanted to be in my own little world. And I didn't really um, talk to her about any of that stuff until like, I think I was about 13 or 14, something, somewhere around there. And I thought, because she was a Christian now, you know, she became a Christian. So I thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to snag her. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, she's, she's, you know, I, I stupidly thought that she wasn't as powerful as she was. So I gave her something. I wrote, Mary had a little lamb on a piece of paper. Cause I thought I was going to trip her up. Yeah. And I gave that to her and she, she held it in her hand and she just looked at me and read my mail. <laughs> she was like, yeah, you're doing this. You're talking to this person. You're doing that. You're doing this. You're doing that. Da, 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 da. And it just scared the shit. Out of me. I'm sorry if I cut, I'm not. No, no, cut, please. She, you can. She's, oh my gosh, she scared the shit out of me. As a, as a teenager, you know, I wasn't a super sneaky teenager. I wasn't like, look, you know, jumping out of the window to meet, you know, boys or whatever. I wasn't doing drugs or anything like that. I wasn't sneaky, you know, and in that way, but she still knew my shit. And I was like, how do you know all this? You know, and that was terrifying. As a little kid, it was terrifying. As a teenager, it was, it was annoying and terrifying. So I really did not ask her much because I didn't want her yeah. to know. Um, but then as I got older, of course, I started to do that. You know, I started to go, Hey mom, what do you think about this person and this person? And she was, and she, of course, you know, just was, you know, brutally honest. And she was like, no, he's a, he's a jerk. No. And, and she, wow. she called him. Yeah. She called out all kinds of people. She hated all of my, you know, boyfriends and she, you know, and she was right. They were all terrible. So she was 100% correct all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yes, that's pretty good. That's a, if you're, if you're ever, that's a good move. Moms out there pretend to be a psychic and that way that you can tell your kids though. You have to be good at yeah. faking it, I guess. So they believe you. Um, yeah. Scare these boys off. Um, though actually that might be, yeah. Uh, you're giving me all kinds of ideas. I got a screenplay for you. Um, but <laughs> what I was going to say, MG, is that for you to be so close to this and have experiences yourself um, is, well, it makes me wonder, oh, what is your ancestry? Oh, um, well, my, my dad is um, half Danish and um, some European, some Native American. My mom is um, English, Irish, Scottish, and Welsh, and Cherokee. Is there dad, mysticism in your bloodline at all? You know, this is a really interesting thing because my mom, because I have people all the time think, oh, it's because of your, your, your Native American ancestry that you're more spiritual. And I'm like, get out of here. 
Um, I don't think so at right. all. I, I, you know, I mean, white people can be, can have a mysticism, you know, mysticism in their uh, right. lineage as well. And there was this really interesting thing that I actually didn't um, put in the book. I should probably should have, but my mom, when she was, uh, when she was psychic, she was, or when she was into that world, you know, the new age world and stuff like that, she had a guru that I think has gotten in trouble, but back then he had an ashram in Miami. And so my mom traveled down to, to Miami to go visit, you know, to go see him at his ashram. And they were, you know, all these people cross-legged, you know, at his feet. And his name right. was Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. And you can look him up. I think he's been in trouble. But um, but anyway, at that time, right. my mom um, was like, he, he picked her out of a crowd because she was this, you know, kind of brilliantly beautiful woman. And he picked her out of a crowd and he started to tell her about this encounter of one of her, I guess, past lives or relatives, what have you, whatever you want to call that. Um, and so I remember my mom kind of turned the tables on me at one point and she said, okay, what do you see about me? And here I was this psychic kid that was just terrified to really get into it. But then I kind of went, okay, mom is kind of teaching me something here. So I sat there on that, that couch and I looked at her and I said, I don't know what this is, but I keep seeing this image that you were kind of, I guess, going back to her English, Irish, Scottish roots. Um, you're, you're this redheaded Celtic woman, if you will, you know, and you are a very powerful, witch. you're, you're, you know, you're kind of one of those like medicine women, you know, you're, you're the, yeah. you're, the you're the one that they go to in the village when something's wrong. And <clears throat> And so um, I saw her as this witch, but I saw a warlock. I saw a man controlling her and keeping her hostage in a way. I saw him. He was very evil. He was very terrible, but he knew that she was very powerful. So he would have her cast spells. And if she didn't, then he would like kill a family member or threaten to kill her or something like that. But he had a real strong, terrifying hold on her. And I saw this and I was like, I don't know why I'm seeing this, but I saw it like a, like a movie. I saw it playing out and I saw this in her and I said, mom, I'm seeing this. And she starts laughing. She said, you remember when I used to go down to Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh um, ashram in Miami? And I said, yeah, she goes, remember I used to travel down there for like the weekend and stuff. And I said, yeah, I remember that. And she goes, he actually told me that same exact thing. Wow. And, <laughs> and this, and she never told me that. And when she used to travel to see this guy, she was, you know, um, I was like all of five years old and she would travel to see him. She would go and spend time at the ashram and she would come back and never, she never discussed this sort of thing with me. I was five years old. I didn't care anyway. Um, so yeah, she told me, she said, I, and she, she described to me, she said, yeah, I was sitting cross-legged with everyone else in this big group. And he picked me out of a crowd and he looked at me and he says, you're, you're scared. And she said, yes, yes, I am. And he, and then he proceeded to tell her exactly what I had just told you. So it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. This Here is I was a teenager. Yeah. I was like all of maybe 15 or 13, 14, 15, something like that. And this just poured out of me. I don't know where it came from, but that is so wild. All this stuff is, uh, I, yeah. Uh, um, I, I, you know what? Okay. Let me ask you this. I mean, I imagine the experiences just kept going on and on. Um, but for those that are out there, 
listening, because I am curious about this, and, and you know as someone that's in Hollywood, what do we always hear? The number one thing that people say when a kid says, oh, you know, I, I'm i feeling encounters, I'm seeing ghosts, all that stuff. The first thing the parents do is they say, well, that kid's got an imagination. They go, oh, yeah, 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 MG's just having dreams. She's just having a lot of bad dreams. She's a very imaginative girl, all this stuff. Um, For those that believe that, I mean, what would you say? What do you think is the difference between what you experienced as a kid versus some kid that, if kids even, I don't know, I'm not even sure if that's really a thing. I, I might be of the belief that kids are actually experiencing it at this point. But, yeah, um, what would you say is the difference there for, for so-called skeptics that, might just dismiss your claims. Well, I grew up with a mom that was, you know, psychic doing all this stuff. And I grew up with a father who was very left brained, didn't believe in any of this. And he married women who were exactly the same. And so I grew up, you know, being tormented, uh, paranormal speak, you know, paranormal wise, I was being tormented by something I couldn't see. And he and his wife were just, or wives at that time, because he's been married six times, but they, they were, um, they were all just very dismissive. They were all just like, oh, you're just imagining things. You're just imagining things. I'm like, I'm not freaking imagining this. I'm being tormented, you know, all night long. Yeah. And so um, the thing is with kids is that if they, you know, I, I've been watching a lot of kids who have, uh, who, you know, very, from very, very young, start talking about their past life experiences. Yes. And you know what I mean? And, you, you know, always, I, I don't, I don't understand parents that don't really sit down with their kids. That's how my mom was. She was like, she really got down on the floor and she colored with us and she played Barbies with us. And she was an awesome mom. And, you know, I don't get people that just kind of don't really connect with their kids, you know, and it's like, sit down on the floor and play with them. You know, why did you have a kid in the first place? It's just yes. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Connect with your freaking kid. And I want people to sit down and really talk to their kid. And, and I've read, I've seen a lot of these stories and read a lot of them where, you know, the kids were mentioning a name or names or, or places or, or the way they died or how they used to look, you know, things like that, or things that are coming into their room. And of course, people, parents, most parents are just like, oh, that's nice, you know, and they don't really sit there and start talking to them until this kid keeps saying, you know, for weeks on end or months, even this thing is in my room, it comes out of the closet, or it comes out from under the bed or whatever, you know what I mean, really sit down and talk to your kid and, and just see if this is some sort of silly thing that they just kind of, you know, the silly sort of world that they just imagined, or it's something that's reoccurring. And really, you know, just like I said, connect with your kid, talk to him, get, you know, make a journal, write down all the things. Okay, your name, your name was this and you lived here and this happened to you, you know, write everything down, document this stuff, because it's very important. Um, if this kid, is, if, if kids are going to talk about it, especially something incessantly, it's bothering them. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Talk to them, you know, because you're, because they're experiencing some kind of trauma. If they're keeping, you know, if they're constantly talking about it, this is something that they're, you know, reliving on a very real scale, you know. Did you ever notice any patterns between the type of encounters? I mean, being sensitive, I can imagine uh, there are a couple ways that this seems to happen to the world. One is the um, just random. I mean, it, it almost sounds like you were just encountering because you were so sensitive. You go into buildings, see things that others couldn't hear things, feel things that they couldn't. Um, but you, you also occasionally had these bedroom experiences too. And, um, so, so I'm sort of looking as the, the person in the world that just 
has access to this other realm of existence versus someone that, say, keeps getting haunted over and over, sees the same relative, keeps getting messages, synchronicities between the different spiritual encounters. Um, I'm imagining it must be a little of both with you, but uh, do you think there was any sort of meaning or significance behind any of the early encounters for why you particularly experienced them? Or was it just as random as I described? Um, I think it was a little bit of both for me personally, I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, I think, um, you know, I just happened to be that sensitive, scared little kid, you know, I I liken these, these things that were tormenting me to like paranormal bullies, you know, the, the, if you go to school and you're that quiet, shy, artistic, creative kid that kind of keeps to themselves, or you're the nerd that, you know, is really good at math or something, you know, and you you just kind of keep to yourself. Those bullies see that all, all over you. And I think that's no different for the paranormal world. I think paranormal bullies see that scared little kid and go, aha, okay, let's, you know, torment this kid. And, um, so for me, I think I experienced um, that because I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know what I mean? And I think some of the other stuff um, that I went through was meaningful and I needed to see it. It was life changing. And that's that's another thing that I want to talk about is that um, with people, I, 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 the paranormal runs the gamut. You know, it could be that visit from grandma that tells you, you know, be careful or, you know, it's, it's the, it's the demon in the closet. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it, yeah. it's the, the paranormal runs the gamut. And um, cause we always think of the paranormal as something creepy and scary and or weird and the paranormal can be touching and wonderful and meaningful and helpful too. You know, that's interesting. Yeah. Wait, what was, uh, did you ever have any of those experiences um, that, well, I, Hmm. What is my question going to be? I mean, I really kind of want to delve into aliens a little bit. I'm curious when or if you encountered uh, things from other galaxies. Um, I did, yeah. You did? Oh, gosh. Yeah. When did that happen in your life? Um, I was all of 18. I think it was like 1995. And my mother, interestingly, I was just talking or not talking. I was um, yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine about a podcast that I had just listened to. Um, and the fellow forgot his name, but it was on, it's on MUFON network, uh, podcast. They have a really good podcast. And so there was a fellow that said that there's also a very strong tie between, um, familial lines when it comes to UFO encounters, whether it's a full on abduction or just some, seeing something. If you experience something, there's a really good chance that your children will, and your parents have at some point. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting because I remembered my mother's encounter. She had an encounter back in the sixties in San Diego and I had an encounter. I was, like I said, just, I think I just turned 18 and, um, it was, uh, it was terrifying. My mother's encounter was like this really cool, uh, like it was like, you know, just like the, the gray was showing her the ship and she was getting a tour where wow. I was full on tormented by whatever that whatever came at me was just nasty (laughs) what does it seem that your mom had it easier than you when it came to this stuff I think I think she was just I always aspired to be like my mom she was that one shining she was like an archangel you know what I mean she was like that one spiritual badass that nobody messed with you know she was she was not a very big scary looking woman she was all of five six and she was very sweet but man, do not mess with her spiritually because she would kick your ass. 
And I've seen her face off against all kinds of stuff. And she did not once cower or falter. She just went in head first and said, you will get out of this, you know, doing deliverances and stuff like that, casting demons out of people. I mean, she did what a lot of stuff. The... Wait a minute. Tell me yeah. about that. You saw her <laughs> fight the spirits. That is, uh, that's. A, I mean, that's a kind of cool thing to see your mom encounter. I'm sure it's scary too, but uh, what, what's a vivid memory you have of watching your mom just get rid of this evil energy? Yeah, we, we encountered a lot of people. My mom was so, like I said, she was so spiritually formidable and so such a bright light of spiritual, I guess, energy or what have you, that we would, we would walk into places and if someone had something on them or in them, you know, they would hiss at her or they would glare at her. So there was something that was in her that was so pure and good and powerful that it terrified something that wasn't good. And I saw her and I never was scared about of my mom. My I was first my mom like getting like beaten up by demons. She was the one doing the beaten up. You know I mean? Yeah. She was the tough one. And I never, I was never scared. I've seen her do got so many deliverances. She did deliverances on me. There was times when I came from an abusive home and my father was very abusive and I came to live with my mom after many years of not living with her. And I was a mess. I was a wreck. And I remember having some issues and I remember things coming. I could feel them literally jumping off of me. And my mom knew my mom looked at me because I would start crying and I would not feel right. And something would be off. And she was like, get up, stand up. I need to pray for you. And she would start praying for me. And as soon as she like put her hands on me, this involuntary screech came out of me and um, we could, we could actually see whatever it was. It was jumping all over the place. It was really terrifying. Oh my gosh. What? That's not even in the book. <laughs> Yeah, no, I hey, I, I like that. I'm like, I like getting this uh, exclusive insight. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, when you see you're encountering things, I mean, you talked about getting pushed, getting shoved. Um, are, are we talking? You actually saw demons? Did you? Okay. Did you? Oh my! What do they look like? I mean, are they red? Are they? Are you seeing like a kind of? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm imagining like a see-through kind of thing or, uh, yeah, translucent. I mean, what, yeah. what, what is that? What is I think they take any form that they want, you know, because you got to realize demons are actually fallen angels. And right. they can, you know, they're spiritual beings. They can take any, they could look like a person, uh, you know, or a wisp of something, you know. But, yeah, we, we actually saw something. Because I remember one night, this was, this was the story. Um, this was a, we had a couple of encounters like this. But there was one night I was really anxious really going through something my mom said stand up stand up I gotta pray for you so she started praying for me and I was just sitting there just kind of praying with her and then all of a sudden she goes she she asked a friend of my or actually a roommate she said go get me the kitchen towel because she could feel and see there was like this little impish thing that was jumping all over me and she what? she she got the kitchen towel she started hitting this thing she's like get off of her get off of her and she started screaming and this thing jumped onto our roommate. So she started hitting him. Next thing I know, this thing jumped and got, we, we used to drive the church van and it got into the church van. And I knew it got into the church van because I could have picked up on it because I was sensitive enough at that time to where I knew what was happening. And so, yeah, so this thing, again, strangely, my mom puts her hands on my head. I, I scream. Now, I'm not a screamer. I, 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 if you ask me to scream like a blood curling scream, I kind of do, ah, you know, that's right. my scream. That's the best I can do. But for some reason, she she put her hands on my head, like on the sides of my head. And I felt a bolt of electricity go through me. And I literally let out this blood curdling scream that was not me. 
And as I was screaming, I could feel something leaving my, my, my mouth, my neck, my mouth and out my head. And then this thing again, was just jumping all over everybody. And it just ended up in the church van. And my mom saw it. She went like that. She looked outside the window. She goes, get out of that van right now. <laughs> and I saw it too. I knew it was like, wow. oh my God, how did she know that? But I saw it in the van as well. So yeah, they're looking, demons are looking for something to latch onto or to get into. And, you know, so she evicted something that night and it was quite powerful. That made me a believer. Ooh, wow, wow, wow. This is all <laughs> wild stuff. Now, look, I am also curious about, so you talked about the UFO when you were 18. Um, and I, at a certain point, as you're getting more familiar with this, MG, are you are you starting to study it? Are you seeing other experts? Are you trying to wrap a... Um, a, a philosophy around it or or i don't know a, a quote-unquote science um just so you can make sense of these things when do you when do you really take the time to get familiar with this and become comfortable with what's happening to you well it was around that time i, I went to live with my mom i left my dad's house and i went to live with my mom when i was 14 i just turned 14 and I started to, you know, like I said, become a, I became a Christian with my mom and, uh, you know, we were going to church and I started to see, because Christians aren't scared about talking about the devil. They're not scared about talking about, you know, spirits and angels and demons and, and the spiritual world, you know, the, give, give the, the Christians their due. They, they're talking about the paranormal world. They just don't realize it. And, right. You know what I mean? And so and they're always protesting against this stuff. I mean, yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, like you said, they would think this is you are. This is the most sacrilegious conversation you could be having right now. Um, exactly. And I want to tell them, OK, the, this world of angels and demons. Guess what? That's the paranormal. Duh. You know, that's like, <laughs> right. Right. Like, hello. So, yeah, I was about, like I said, 14, 15, uh, 16. And like I said, my mom would regularly pray for me and I would see her pray for other people and do the same thing to them. Um, I saw these people screaming, foaming at the mouth, writhing on the floor, and she would just pick them up by their shirts. Like, like she was going to beat them and she would say, get out of them. Blah, 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 blah. And these people would write and scream and cry and something would come out of them and they, they would do better. They were, you know, drug addicted or what have you, but they would do better afterwards. And, um, so I, I started to really wake up because I started to, you know, again, the Christians are talking about the paranormal. They just don't know they are. And so I was seeing all of this and I thought, oh, my gosh. And I, I knew I knew and my mother start when I started to get kind of more um, cleaner uh, and clearer of these you know, things that were kind of bogging me down, these spiritual nasty things that were bogging me down. I started to get a clearer head. My mom and I started to actually work together because I started to see things along with her. And that's when I started to clue in, mom, this is not a spiritual thing. This is something that you and I just have. We have an antenna. It's up all the time. This is what we do. And I started to clue into the spiritual realm, paranormal, paranormal world. You know, this was back in the early 90s. So we really didn't talk about this stuff all that much. You know, it was barely, you know, yeah. into, you know, the, the, the X-Files was kind of new and, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, what are your podcast. resources back then? I know I was going to say now everybody can podcast, everybody can write books about this. I mean, there's people teaching psych how to build your spiritual business. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's so mainstream. It's now. everywhere now. And when I was a kid growing up in the late seventies, eighties, nineties, you know, I I did we really weren't talking about this stuff until we started to see a lot of paranormal, like ghost hunters and stuff like that, paranormal shows on TV, and that's what made it vernacular. 
You know, that's what made people who were originally skeptics or even just really didn't really know what to do with the paranormal. They were like, yeah, whatever. I don't know what this is. They started to become addicted and they started watching and they started doing their own investigations. And now we have podcasts and we've got this and that and all this stuff. You know what I mean? It wasn't until the early 2000s that we actually started to really start talking about this kind of thing. So um, at that time, I didn't really have anything to go on. I was just going on experience. I was just seeing things and putting two and two together. You know? Yeah, yeah. Do, do you remember some of the uh, early things that you discovered that helped you make sense of what was going on? I mean, was there, was there any uh, any frameworks around the paranormal or things like that? Yeah, you went, oh, yeah, okay, this is this. This is this kind of spirit. This is this. This is what I have to do. Um, and, and even when it comes to, I mean, studies of um, occult magic or some people, some people take on different principles. Some people get into hermeticism. And and whatnot. I mean, what where where did you end up settling? Well, you know, it's a, it's a for it's forever an unfolding process. I think when you're a spiritual person or you are a person who is just naturally uh, have natural abilities, what have you, whatever you want to call it. I, I, it's, it's just a journey. It's like, just like life is a journey. You know what I mean? The things that I'll, I'll know in a year from now, you know, will help me in that next, you know, that next year. And you know what I mean? It's, it's just, we're always learning. We're always gathering information. Yeah. We're always going through something experiences. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing with your, um, I guess, spiritual life or what have you, or your, you know, psychic abilities, whatever you want to call it, um, or paranormal, you know, encounters. I mean, it's, it's a forever unfolding thing. Um, for me, I started to put two and two together when I was, like I said, it was about 13, 14, 15 around there. And I was working with my mom as far as deliverances and, and what have you. And, um, sorry. Um, cause I've heard there's like I a remember, difference between demons and demons, spirits yeah. and, and people yeah. get that confused. I, I had a demonologist on this show and he was <laughs> Timothy Earl. And he said, yeah, the, the biggest mistake is that everybody, everybody's talking about spirits and how scary mm -hmm. they are, but I'm working with demons. Yeah. Think about that. Um, they're, they're way stronger. Um, demons. Okay. So I'm trying to figure like, how do I explain this? Um, Cause it's so weird to put my little weird paranormal world into like everyday terms. For me, I'll just explain it this yeah, way. Yeah, explain it for yourself. Yeah, like demons are way more, um, they're almost non-discriminant. They don't care who they get jump onto. They don't care who, what, what house they're haunt, you know, in or what have you. They don't care. They just want to be somewhere. These things are programmed to steal, kill, and destroy, just like the, you know, the Bible says. And they are agents of torment and chaos and that's just what they do so they're very non-discriminate and i remember one time it's in the book i had an encounter with a former stepmother of mine who had passed on and there was so much and you can really kind of not mistake a demon when you you know say someone's like oh i got a demon in my house and you and i know this from experience before you even get there you start to feel scared you start to feel anxious you start to get um sick you can mm. actually get sick uh, my yeah. mother and I went through that a lot where I started getting like really bad stomach ache or headache all of a sudden. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And she would pray for me and it would go away. But as soon as we got onto the curb <laughs> of said demonic house, um, you can feel it. You can feel them be like, what do you want? Get out of here. Leave me alone. You know, they just want to be left to their torment. And um, 
it's their job basically <laughs> that's what they're programmed to do and so um yeah. you can you can feel the demon from the street is what i'm saying they're so they radiate such evilness and such power that you do feel them from the street and um then there's the the spirits that really have um they just kind of have it out for you and that was my stepmother she was evil in life and she was evil in death and she hated me and she wanted to torture me and she was very upset that she was dead and I wasn't and um basically one night she came to me I mean this was a series of events but the the culmination of this was one night I was um <clears throat> I was getting ready for bed I just brushed my teeth and I was getting into bed and all of a sudden I felt this intense evil radiating from the corner of my room and I thought oh shit do I got a demon in here like what the hell and I started and I kind of sat down and I was just sitting there kind of letting myself be exposed to whatever this you know just to kind of feel it you know what I mean and I just sat there and I said okay and I was reading the waves of, of evil and hate <laughs> that were just kind of washing over me. I was reading them like, what is this? Who is this? And I, I immediately right. felt a personal angle because at first I thought it was a demon because it was so evil. It was just radiating out of the corner. I'm like, what the hell is this? And I remember sitting down and just kind of like feeling it out for a minute. And I'm like, what is what's going on? And I immediately felt a very personal angle to this hate. And I thought, oh, it's such and such you know it's stepmom number two and i thought oh my god she's she's pissed and i sat there and i said okay so and so uh, i don't want to say her name but i said okay what is going on why are you here why are you angry you know and i, I finally had to deal with her in that way but um yeah there's there's definite um, what i would call energy signatures of different entities to where it's like a shadow person brings a lot of fear and dread and and, and just, you know, you're just terrified and then they're gone. Usually, you know, you see them fleeting around um, or they hover over you or what, whatever your experience is. But um, demons have a, for me, have a very non-specific energy. It's just like, I, I'm here to torment something. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I mean? As, as a, as a, you know, um, uh, you know, different than, you know, something that has its, has you in its sights there. It's, it's, you know, my stepmother hated me and she wanted me to know it. And I did, I got it. And I was like, okay, read me along clear. So yeah. Um, every, every, every entity I would say has an energy signature, just like people, you know, people have energy signatures or some people that have really great energy. You know, those people that you just want to be around wow. them all the time. Cause they're just like such a bright light. Um, rest in peace, Betty White, you know, you know me, like one of those people, you know, right. they just radiate such beautiful energy. And then you've got those nasty people that you just can't wait to get away from. Same thing. So, so when, when, when you mentioned your stepmother became a demon or there was a demon. In no. Her. No, oh, no, <laughs> no, she, no, she was a spirit. Yeah. She was a spirit. Yeah. She was just her usual evil self. You know, like I said, she was, she was one of, when she was alive, she was one of those people that would sit there and smile at your face, but you knew she was plotting your murder, you know, right. she was just a nasty person. So when okay. she died, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. When she died, her energy did not change. And that didn't surprise me at all. Wow. 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 This is all remarkable stuff. Now, look, I don't want to give away everything in this book because we want people <laughs> to, we want people to check it out. I mean, you've really broken out a lot of ex interesting experiences in here. Um, though I am now so curious about what the heck happened between <laughs> 97 and 2001. You, you call that, do you have a chapter called a nightmarish blur? Um, 
what in the i mean can you give us a hint about what that's about Yeah, I mean, a lot of our lives, uh, my mom and I were uh, chronically ill, you know, we had a lot of health problems, which is sometimes comes with being neurodivergent, um, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and, and fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue. So we went through a lot. We were chronically ill. We, you know, we, we couldn't work and, you know, we were homeless a couple of times. I mean, it was just a really terrible Wow. thing. And so um, back in, I guess, 2001 was when we moved back to the South. We lived in Texas and different areas of, of the South, but we moved for even further South than we did before. And yeah, I mean, you know, things were um, just terrible for a long time. So that's why it was a nightmarish blur. Sometimes there was paranormal stuff and sometimes there just wasn't, but life was very difficult for us. But um, yeah, I mean, my, I think my, my next really big encounter was when my, my stepmother, cause at that time it was like 2001 or so we were just kind of maintaining, you know, our, we were just trying to get through the day, you know, when you're just going through so much. And then it was about 2000, I don't know, 2008 or so seven, eight, we all of a sudden started experiencing um, kind of poltergeist activity. And that was proceeding, or that was um, actually um, coming after this stepmom encounter that I had. So that was that was an interesting thing because it, it was kind of quiet. We would pick up on things here, you know, you, you know, you gotta realize the paranormal world is the spiritual realm. It's 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 that thin veil. It's it's always around us. You know, you've got stuff around you right now that you don't even know. You've got dead relatives, you got your ancestors, you got your, you know, your random you know, passersby, I guess <laughs> you call it in the, you know, yeah, paranormal right. world. but you know, you've got things going all through your, you know, uh, life that you don't really pick up on. You're just, it's all around, you know, you can't see it. And I liken it to be like Charles Dickens, you know, the, the, the night before Christmas or whatever, you know, that, that sort of world where, you know, the ghost is taking Scrooge to the different houses and he can see, but they can't, he can see them and hear them, but they can't see, see him. or hear him. And it's kind of like that. If you can imagine your relatives, your ancestors, your, you know, like I said, the random passerby, whatever, just kind of floating through the place and, you know, they come and go, they're here, they're there, they're gone, whatever, you know, and you don't, you, people don't realize that paranormal is happening all the time. It's not something that just kind of pops out and just goes <laughs> boom. right It's always, it's always active. It's, it's like another world that you just can't see. So yeah, my mom and I were just kind of things were, you know, like I said, we were just kind of, I was improving my life and she was just, you know, kind of in her own world and things were just, you know, life was happening. And then all of a sudden one day I get a, a visit from my stepmother that, that was long dead. And, uh, that threw us for a loop. It was pretty terrifying. Wow. How did, and, and, and did she show up in, I mean, are you seeing an apparition? How did she show up? So this was the weird Part because she, like I said, she had been long dead and I was, you know, still kind of not, not really a Christian, you know, I was, yeah, but I still believed in, you know, I guess I had no choice. I didn't know really what to believe as far as the afterlife, but and I believed in heaven or hell, I guess. And so I, you know, kind of settled in my own heart that my stepmother was probably in hell, you know, I was hopeful anyway, Yeah. because she was such a terrible person. She was so evil and, um, she tortured me for six years. So, um, I guess I just kind of gotten, okay, well, she's gone and dead and you know, whatever. And I didn't really think about her. And then all of a sudden one day I'm outside bright daylight. My mom had just gone shopping and, um, I then, uh, was, uh, 
was trying to um, put groceries in the car. And then all of a sudden something rushed up behind me and I thought it was being mugged in broad daylight. And I turned around and whipped around expecting to see a person. And there was my stepmother. I just saw her as plain as day and I didn't see her physically. I, but I saw her, I knew it was her, her and her energy signature. Like I said, I knew it was her and I just saw her and I, I just blurted out. I said, what are you doing here? And she's, she had this very evil smug grin on her face. And she said, I bet you thought I was gone, but I'm not. Oh man. And I went, Oh my God. And, I, and she goes, she goes, I, I can go anywhere I want. And that's right. what terrified me. And I thought, Oh my God, what happens when we die? Do we really go to heaven or hell? Like that completely shook my world. Yeah. And I remember jumping into the car I freaked out. I threw all the groceries in the back and I slammed the hatch and I got in the car and I said, mom, I said, um, so-and-so just came to me. And she goes, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? She's been dead for years. And I said, I know mom, but she just came to me. And this is what she said. And my mom just had a, like a terrified look on her face. Like what the hell was going on? And I said, I don't know. And then a few nights later, I went to bed early because I had work in the morning. My mom was um, a night owl. And then I remember I shut my door at night and my, you know, our, our bedrooms were right next to each other. And my mom, the next morning, and I didn't hear anything or feel anything. I was just kind of like, you know, whatever. My mom then said, she goes, um, so what were you like talking to the dog last night in your room? And I said, no, I was sound asleep. And she was like, um, did you have like the radio on or like the TV on or something like, and I said, no, no, I wasn't. I nothing like that. And she was like, oh, <laughs> and I remember I go, okay, mom, what's uh, uh, up? Uh. Yeah. And I had to pull it out of her because she was scared. She was going to scare me. And, and she was like, um, last night I heard people talking in your room. I heard a conversation going on and I was like, okay. So I was like, well, as long as they don't bother me, you know, they can F off. So I didn't, I, I you know, I was concerned, but I wasn't like, oh my God, you know, we have to fumigate the place. So I wasn't too concerned, but my mom was, and I know her and I know my mom, if she senses any sort of evil, she's immediately praying. And so, um, that happened. And then a few nights later, um, <clears throat> again, she, next day she's comes to me and says, um, uh, so were you up walking around in your room last night? And I said, no, mom, I wasn't what's going on. And she said, I heard, what sounded like someone was shuffling around in your room. And she said, it sounded like someone threw like a, like a beaded necklace or something like really like heavy bead, like throw it against like the wall. It was really loud. She right. goes, you didn't hear that. And I said, no, mom, I didn't hear it. I was sound asleep. And she was uh, pretty, you could tell at that point she was like, okay, I'm praying. And so she prayed and prayed and prayed. I finally had like two, I had two or three encounters after that. Um, like I said, I was getting into bed one night and I all of a sudden I saw my stepmother in the corner sitting there and she was like, I'm going to sit here and watch you all night. And I oh, kind of just gosh. looked at her and I was like, bitch, sit there. I don't care. And I, <laughs> you know, again, I yeah. sat there on the bed because I thought it was a demon and I'm sitting there on the bed and I go, oh, it's so-and-so. And she just looked at me like, I'm going to watch you all night, like trying to just torment me. And I was like, bitch, sit there all night. I don't care. You ain't scaring me. And I just literally, um, you know, turned over and went to bed and, and I did, I didn't let her get to me. And that's another thing about the paranormal bullies. You can't let them get to you. 
Um, if they know they're scaring you, they're going to keep on. And so I, I let her know, you ain't scared me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to sleep real good. And I did. And um, then a few nights later, I had a horrifying nightmare of her where she was determined to make sure that I wasn't going to get anything good in life. And she was screaming. And, and then finally, you know, she kind of came to me one last time. And I sat there and said, okay, so-and-so, what is your deal? Why are you here? Why are you trying to torment me? Why are you, you know, is this a vendetta that you've had and now you're, you know, able to exact it or something like what the hell? And so, um, yeah, she came to me and said she was, cause she had gotten in a car accident. And mm. so she was very bitter at the fact that she was able to like, she always had it out for me. And right. the fact <laughs> she always had it out for me, she always wanted me to suffer. And, 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 you know, a few, a few times I was very sick and I think she was hoping I would die. And then all of a sudden here she dies and I'm still alive. And so there's this sort of personal vendetta type thing that she had for me. And then now she's dead and it foiled her plans. Yeah. So, so she came back from the dead to let me know that she was going to try to keep, keep me down and, and torture me. And she was, she was, she hated me still. Now, wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to be able to get rid of the, I mean, I'm curious about someone like that, that comes back. You read about poltergeist, you there, you mentioned your mom was able to ward off spirits and demons. Uh, is, is this just a hard case spirit? I mean, why, why, why is this so difficult to uh, yeah. get rid of this person? You think? I don't know. I think, I think I almost had to experience this for a reason. I, I, cause I when, when, when this stepmom died, I was just kind of like, okay, good riddance. And then I never thought about her again. And then I think it was almost like a bit of closure. I think, I think I had to realize maybe we don't go to heaven or hell. Maybe we don't just kind of fade away when we die. And maybe, uh, you know, um, maybe there are vendettas and there's personal beefs with people that even when they die, that energy is still very much alive and active. And, um, you know, maybe this helped me in my, my future, you know, cases that I, I tend to, I, I work on, maybe I needed to go through this, you know, that it had that yeah. feel to it. But after, um, my mom, I, I, you know, I, we, my mom and I started talking, I was like, yeah. And, you know, she, you know, she, she told me about her experience, you know, I heard something in your room. I, I heard something going on and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I've been, I've been going through some stuff and I started telling her about what I, you know, stepmom number two coming back and all this stuff. And she was like, okay, I think that's all she needed to hear. <laughs> and she went to work. And I think she, like I said, my mom was really good at, you know, kind of casting things out in a way and everything stopped after that. Just as yeah. fast as it came on. Yeah. Just as fast as it came on, it left. And so that was one thing really great about my mom was that every time she prayed, whatever it was left, um, I don't, I don't know if I have those same abilities because, um, in, when I moved to Los Angeles, I had something in my apartment that I could not get rid of to save my life. So, um, I don't know if I'm as strong as, as powerful. I'm, I know I definitely, I'm not as strong a power or as powerful as my mother, um, when it comes to stuff like that, cause she could just get rid of stuff very quickly. But, um, but yeah, do you want to so, be? I mean, do, oh do God, you... yeah, I, I aspire. I, I would love to be as strong um, as my. I would love to be just like my mom, and I. That's that's the thing that I always pray for. Like I wish I could be as powerful as her, but I don't think I ever will be because she was her own thing. You know, she was she was something special. Yeah. You know? 
But I wonder, you know, you're out there and, and and you have this artist streak in you. I mean, you went to L.A. Um, and I'm curious, even as you went decided to make that decision to go headfirst into the film industry, um, did you – what were you thinking in terms of how these paranormal encounters were going to inform your future? Well, you know, I – the paranormal now in my life is it's always there and I don't I mean now I think about it a lot more because of this book and the podcast and everything else but you know I just always try to live my life and coming out to LA I know I could write I was uh you know that was one of my strong suits in film school and so I came out to LA and I'm actually working on a screenplay right now that is a paranormal crime drama um, and I'm putting all of my, you know, or most, uh, as many experiences of mine and my mom's as I can in this screenplay. Wow. So it's, it's definitely, um, you know, the now more than ever, the, the paranormal is woven in and out of my life and, you know, I can't get away from it. And it, it makes sense that it, it makes its way into my art, you know, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So you're telling me right now, even in Los Angeles, would you ever go to sleep at night and encounter something? Do you see UFOs? I mean, what what is your daily life like now in terms well, of encountering the paranormal? Well, as far as UFOs, I had such an encounter that I think I sent them off. And I always make a joke <laughs> about this because I can laugh about it now. But as far as the UFO stuff, I think I... I was able to um, send off whatever this thing was that came at me, um, and it came at me. It at me, um, and I, I, uh, I was able to send it off with like I think a pretty bad taste in its mouth to the point where I have never had any per, uh, any um, UFO encounters afterwards. Wow. No, no, yeah, no Men in Black, no, no reoccur, you know, no nothing. I, I, I haven't had anything, and I'm kind of happy. I'm fine with that. Um, but um, but as far as like paranormal stuff, you know, you like I said, you get the random passerby that, you know, you'll wake up and you'll get like a weird, creepy feeling in the room and you just start praying and then finally it goes away. And I think I'm at this place now where, again, I'm not the scared little kid, you know what I mean? And the bullies kind of go, oh, I better have my shit together if I'm going to go pick on her, you know what yeah. I mean? And so I think as you grow spiritually, as you you know, morph and change. And the more, you know, and the more you, the more you know who you are, um, as far as like paranormal bullies, like whether it be spiritual or just like in yourself, the more, you know, who you are, the bullies can't affect you. And that's in real life. And that's, you know, um, in, in the paranormal world, you know what I mean? Once you know how to stand up for yourself and you can push that stuff away, the bullies just go, well, she's no fun anymore. And they leave you alone. So I don't get that tormenting thing too much anymore. But again, I'm not really pursuing. I'm not, I haven't done any paranormal investigations in a very long time. Um, I had some health issues and, um, you know, but I still do readings and whatnot. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't, number one, I don't think I'm in that, that place to, to really be fighting stuff off. I was, I was invited to join at least two different paranormal TV shows and I was, um, due to health issues, I wasn't able to, you know, take that on. But um, I... Did you even want to? I mean, why, why entertain welcoming these things in your <laughs> life if you need to? You know, I mean, why, why take that on? 
Yeah, I mean, I would only only do it if it meant helping people. You know what I mean? That's right. like kind of my thing. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna get you know if I'm gonna expose myself to these bullies and these nasty things, you know, um, I'm gonna do it to help people. It's because you know other people are being bullied and they don't know how to stand up for themselves. Um, and so I would do it for that reason. Um, but just to go just to kind of stir stuff up and leave, I don't think that's good. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I'm not in that place where I'm really pursuing the paranormal on a real sort of, uh, level of like investigations and TV shows and whatnot. Um, cause I'm just kind of, you know, kind of bettering my own self. I have to have surgery soon and I have some health issues. So I've been just kind of focusing on that, but um as far as like the everyday stuff you know every once in a while i'll i'll send something or pick up something or you know reading here and there or something like that but i don't you know i'm not in that world to really experience the onslaught you know yeah of course of course well look let, let's make sure everybody can help you out and and you get through these issues um you know with 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 ease and uh whatnot so, so uh well-being well-being i'm wishing well-being for you uh everybody has to check out the boogeyman chronicles by mg stevens uh published by flying disc press it's available on amazon now um very affordable book too as well um as, as well as on kindle she you you put it out there you decided to tell these stories um yeah i mean when when did did were you speaking to someone specifically oh yeah you know what that's what i was gonna ask on the back of the book you just said one day in 2021 you said i gotta put this down on paper um you gotta get these stories out there what was that like um, you know, I don't really even know what my thought process was because it was just like I have ADHD. So it's like my brain is in 20 different places all the time. But I kind of I was I remember thinking because <clears throat> I read a lot of paranormal books myself and I started reading all these encounters and I thought, well, maybe because, you know, I for years people said, oh, you should write a book. And I'm like, no, I don't want to get myself out there. And I, I, you know, and I, for a long time, I people didn't know I had this side to my life. They did not know because I didn't talk about it. Um, I'm not very public with that. And so, um, right. you know, I just, I don't know, I guess, um, last summer I thought, you know what, I'm going to write these stories. I'm just going to get them out there. Maybe they'll help somebody. Maybe they'll just entertain someone for a couple hours. I don't know. Um, but, um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I just wanted to kind of, I, I think I, I, you know, you just kind of have an encounter and you, don't really talk about it. And all of a sudden one day it just comes out and you're like, wow, I feel better. And it was like, your brain was like, okay, you weren't going to talk about that. So I had to make you talk about it because you needed to yeah. like, unburden yourself. And that's kind of how it happened. And I just kind of, I was just like, okay, you know, and I, I just sat down and, and for me with my ADHD to sit there and try to write a book and stay focused, that was hard. Right. But I, I did, I did it. I stuck with it. And, you know, like I said, a few times on a personal level, I was like, should I be doing this? Should I be putting myself out there like this? I don't know if I really want people to know this about me. <laughs> but yet at the same time, it was like something was pushing me on like, no, you have to do this. And so I just kept at it and just kind of followed it where, you know, that's, you know, something just comes up in your life and you're like, I'm just going to follow this just to see where it goes. 
Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, obviously, I mean, you're an intuition, right? You're an empath medium. You should follow mm -hmm. that, too. Uh, I imagine that's going to point to something. Uh, as well as this podcast you're doing, The Boogeyman Chronicles, which is on YouTube. You have some great people on there. Uh, Terry Loveless. Uh, you know, I mean, just really, really great names. Um, yeah, Ryan Burns. You have a demonologist on there. I, well, very interesting stuff. Yeah, what was your thought behind? I mean, you you're not just writing a book now you're uh putting you're putting your face out there too uh what made you want yeah. to start that show i actually didn't want to do a, a video podcast. oh no yeah. My, yeah my producer was like oh you should totally do this and i'm like i don't really want to i don't want people to see my ugly face oh my god um yeah i was like so weird about that but um but yeah i was like all right fine i'll do it and then i you know, did it, and I'm like, I think we should move to audio now, because um, it's a lot of work, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, um, I, I wanted to start a podcast just to get, I, I remember being really frustrated every time I listened to a podcast, because the person, you know, understandably is trying to get, like, like, you know, as much story as possible, but I want to know, I want to know the stories that this person isn't telling, like, take Terry Lovelace, for example, yeah. He, you know, every time every time he goes on a podcast, of course, he talks about the Devil's Sin incident, which is what his books are about, and that's understandable. That's, that's what he talks about. But I had a feeling, I had a sneaking suspicion that he had encounters as a kid, and so I wanted to talk to him about those experiences because I think there is a, a tie. I think there is something going on. People would look, you know, maybe read his book or, or see him on a podcast and think, oh, this guy was going along, living his life, and he just had this UFO encounter. And it turns out that he actually had encounters as a kid. So um, I want to get those stories. I want to get those stories from, like, you know, just like my story. I want to get the stories from the earliest paranormal encounters, the earliest thing you can remember. Let's sweep every corner of this room and let's be as thorough as possible. Let's get every single story. So that's why that's he was my first guest. And I said, okay, what did you go through as a kid? Oh, yeah. I went through this, this, and this. And we delved very deeply into those things because as, you know, um, like a psychiatrist would, you know, a psychologist, you, you want to get to the very nitty gritty. You want to get down to the very bare bones of when did all this start for you? That's, yes. I am so with yeah. you there. So now tell me, what what's the story you haven't ever told before? Oh, for me? <laughs> I need to know. Wait. We need to sweep the oh. entire room of M.G. Stevens before you leave right, right. now. My gosh. <laughs> um, I love my little doggies in the room. Um, so I... Um, you actually have I one? Pretty much... Yeah, I've got three dogs. <laughs> oh no, I was gonna say, do you do you have a story that you have? I oh. feel I feel we've covered a lot here, but I am we've now covered very... a lot. But like, okay, the story that I told about my mom and the vision that I had of her—that is something I didn't even put in the book. I didn't even really think to put it in the book. Yes. Um, Am I doing Boogeyman podcast level? Oh, wait, you're breaking up. I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> I'm just, I want to make sure that we are doing Boogeyman podcast, Boogeyman Chronicle level journalism on this show. That's, that's my goal. Um, yeah. And it sounds like you're definitely doing some good stuff on that, that show. I, I hope people will check it out. We will link to that as well as the link to your book. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say or, or ask you about MG was, some of the projects you have coming on in the future. I know you want to, after writing this first book, you have the bug, you want to, you want to keep going. Can you speak a little bit about those? 
Yeah. Um, so I've, I'm in the process of gathering information for three other books. Um, I really want to hear from um, indigenous people um, and their encounters. And like I said, the paranormal runs the gamut from the terrifying to, you know, grandma coming to visit. Um, I want to hear from them um, because I, I don't hear enough indigenous stories. Um, I hear a lot of white people and, and a lot of, you know, just kind of, it, it runs the gamut, but I, I want to just make a book just strictly about um, indigenous people and their encounters. Um, yes. So that's, that's one book. And then I also want to gather um, stories and talk about um, the paranormal with law enforcement, people who are in law enforcement in some form or fashion that have, you know, and I grew up in a law enforcement household. I know the, I know cops. I know that, you know, I know the people in, in law enforcement are just, they're, they're taught to deal with just the facts. And most of them do not believe in the paranormal. Most of them. I've seen a lot of uh, folks in the, in the in law enforcement who, you know, had an encounter and it just changed their life. You know, um, they ended up leaving the force sometimes. Um, so that, and um, let's see, then I'm also writing um, or gathering information about um, neurodivergent, um, like I said, you know, uh, the RCCX theory, which we yes. haven't even had a chance to think about, but um, talk about, but um, Oh, the wait, wait, actually, yeah, what is that? Wait a minute. RCCX we guess we didn't theory. Cover that. Yeah, I thought we, we covered we everything. Co <laughs> I know, there's, there's a really interesting theory um, that the neurodivergent, Ehlers-Danlos, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and people, and it's kind of a little, it's, it's lesser known, but people who are neurodivergent, even ADHD uh, people, not just autistic, but um, they, like I said, like we talked about a little bit already, is that um, they tend to have a tendency to um, have paranormal encounters in ESP. So there's a, there's a cluster of, um, things that go along with this RCCX gene uh, mutation that you can, you can Google it and look it up. It's really interesting. Um, but um, there's again, something to it, you know, like, like I, like Kathleen Martin said, there's, you know, 80 plus percent people who have uh, UFO encounters are neurodivergent. Um, so yeah. I'm writing a book, um, just getting that dialogue started. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make, you know, major discoveries here. I know we're, we're in the very early stages of this sort of um, discovery, but I think it's worth noting. It's worth investigating. It's worth talking about. So um, if you're, you know, if you're an indigenous person with a paranormal experience you want to share with me, uh, write me if you're in law enforcement and you have a paranormal account, you had a paranormal account that we're still do, write me. Uh, if you're a neurodivergent person with uh, paranormal encounters or ESP, please write me. I want to uh, talk with you and get your experience down. Um, and you can stay anonymous if you want. It's completely up to you. But my email is boogeymanchronicles at outlook.com. Um, and just write me and just, you know, let's, let's get your story down. Um, yes. let's, let's get this, you know, let's, again, let's, you know, take the giggle factor out of the paranormal and, um, let's start talking about, uh, the RCCX theory and, and possible, you know, connection between neurodivergence and ESP, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I realized? We didn't even talk about uh, paranormal PTSD. I know. Um, <laughs> that's something, I mean, yeah. Th that's that is, a yeah, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. I mean, how many times if you read a story or saw it on TV and a person was just going about their lives, had a paranormal encounter or several, and it's affected them to this day. They're still sleep, they're grown adults sleeping with the lights on. 
Um, you know, Terry Lovelace uh, talked at length about that on my podcast where he, um, he still sleeps with the lights on. He um, is, uh, you know, can't walk into an open field. Um, he's very much still has very strong um uh, suffers from PTSD, uh, because of his experience. So it's a real thing. And I, you know, I still have, um, issues where I still, um, you know, have, have, at least have one little tiny light on in the room. I can't sleep in a pitch dark room anymore. It's, you know, it's a real thing. So I wanted to talk about that and let people know that, yeah, you're not crazy. You, you know, you are suffering. There is so much here. I mean, what a life. What an interesting, interesting journey you've had. Uh, everyone check out The Boogeyman Chronicles by M.G. Stevens, uh, as well as the podcast, and send your experiences. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's very key to uh, get these experiences out there. Do not hide them. Um, tell me this. They don't Did suffer you... in silence. You know, that's that's another thing. I, right. You know, just like with anything, you know, don't suffer in silence. If you've had encounters, you need to talk and, and get them out when you're ready, you know. Did you ever encounter the boogeyman? <laughs> Every day. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, the reason why I call the boogeyman because I wanted to encompass my father used to joke that, you know, every time, every time something spooky or weird happened, he would go, oh, it's a boogeyman. It's a boogeyman, you know, and so yes. the boogeyman became everything scary to me, you know, so my dad um, kind of it, it's it's in honor of him, I guess, that I named everything the boogeyman because the boogeyman can be anything scary. And so, yeah, I met the boogeyman many, many times and uh, live to talk about it, so. <laughs> yes, I'm glad to have someone chronicling the boogeyman. <laughs> M.G. Stevens, hey, such a fascinating conversation. Definitely excited to uh, have you on again some point and um, yeah, get more of this out there. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, next time I write, you know, something or whatever, I'll send it off to you and let you know uh, what's going on. Yeah, please do. This has been great. Thank you again for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. M.G. Stevens. Thank you for coming on. What a riveting life story. And, uh, yeah, that is quite a life story. If somebody were to go to a bar and say, hey, what's your story? If I were M.G., I would hope no one ever asked. But, hey, I'm glad she's talking. I'm glad you are listening. I want to thank Ronnie McGilvery for the theme music. I want to thank Zero Boy for the pre-theme music. Do you believe in the boogeyman? Doesn't matter. Because somewhere out there, there's someone experiencing it. Hope you have pleasant experiences this week. We'll talk soon.